Welcome to 15 minutes of problem-solving discussion with Fred Kuhn and our next guest. Welcome to the show, everybody. We continue our series on military transition, and we're joined today by Brian Zawakowski. Brian has an interesting background. He's been a recruiter for 25 years. He's the vice president and general manager for the military division of the Lucas Group, which has been named one of the top 10 executive recruiting firms in the nation by Forbes for 2019. And under Brian's leadership, the Lucas Group's military division has redefined the industry and sets the gold standard for helping military veterans transition into corporate America. Honored to have you, Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Fred. Thank you. Well, I'm focusing this month on military transition and trying to look at various aspects of it. And we all know that these fine men and women who are military members come out and they hit the private sector. They can either go DOD or they can go non-DOD private sector. They can go to government. They can go a number of different directions. So that means that they have to know a lot. So what is it that they need to prepare for as they consider their transition? Well, really, Fred, it comes down to, uh, to keep it simple, uh, four Fs, number one being family, second, finances, third, flexibility, and finally, future. And having served in the military myself and anyone who has served, especially those for a long time, you know, you put your family through a lot when you're in the military. You know, you go where the military puts you. You don't have much of a choice. And so as you make the transition, it's time to take a good look at your family to get them involved in that decision. Your children may be of high school age, maybe they don't want to move, or maybe they're at an age where they can move, or maybe they're grown and out of the house. In any case, it's time to really take your family into consideration. You've also been away from your extended family for a long time. So do you want to head closer to home so you can be closer to that family? So involve the family in that decision. And that, that will bode well for long-term happiness, especially after what you put them through. Obviously, how much you're going to make on the outside is important and how much uh, you need to make. So you know, those, are, those are two numbers, really, really, what you need to make and what you'd like to make. So sit down and go through your budget, again, involving your family with it, too, to, to determine you know, what that price range is. Because in many cases, there are sacrifices that have to be made between the type of job, the location, and the finances. So you have to really determine what your range is, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. Flexibility is an area that covers a lot of different things, but what I mean there is by putting yourself in a position to where you can be flexible to go after the best opportunity for you. And that means determining you know, where you can live, not necessarily where you, uh, sometimes you'll take a career that isn't exactly where you want to live, but it may get you there eventually. But sometimes you don't have flexibility if you're taking care of an aging parent or for some reason you must be in a certain location for a spouse's career, et cetera. That's understandable, but try to maintain as much flexibility as you can, even say within a Metroplex. So in other words, don't go out and buy a house and then go look for a job. Uh, that's just a bad way to go about it. You may find yourself you know, with a very long commute in a job that you would otherwise like, but now you have such a long commute that it doesn't work out well. So try to design in as much flexibility as you make that transition to allow yourself to take advantage. And that leads into the final one, which is future. Thinking about where you want to be five and 10 years from now, because there's a lot more uncertainty than there is in the military. You know, we've got a, a pretty 
well-defined career path, both in terms of rank and in terms of the types of jobs as you move up uh, the enlisted ranks or the officer ranks, you pretty much have an idea what you're going to be doing and even to some degree where you're going to be doing it. The, the civilian world is not like that at all. There's a, there's a lot more flexibility. And so you can really put yourself on a trajectory for whatever future that you see fit. And here's the thing too, it's scary to a lot of people because they think, well, what if I make a mistake at first and I have to shift gears and head in another direction? You know, that's okay too, because there are plenty of people that try one thing when they get out, maybe they, they try sales or they try manufacturing or they try engineering and they find that they really didn't like it. It's okay. You can try something else. As I always tell people, wherever you are, just start heading in the right direction. Yeah, I guess the thing is, Brian, is determining what is the right direction. I mean, sure. I know they set up and go through these TAP programs, but that's certainly not going to help them structure the right direction. Well, I would say it's important to uh, to ask questions of people that have gone before. So LinkedIn is a great opportunity for you to find people that are in industries that you think you might be interested in to learn a little bit more about what those jobs actually entail. Because a lot of times we have misconceptions about how things actually work in a particular type of job. Maybe something that sounds really attractive, but then when you get into the weeds, like, wow, that's what that person does all day. I'm not sure I want to do that. So talking to people helps. You can certainly do research on the internet, but I would caution you, especially when you go to places like Glassdoor, a lot of those places will give reviews on employers uh, from people that are not real happy about them. The people that are happy oftentimes will not post there. So you know, don't rule things out just because you heard a few negative things, because there's no such thing as a perfect employer, uh, you know, nor a perfect boss for that matter. So do your homework there. But again, going back to the one of the F's, keep yourself as flexible as you can so that you can explore as many different things in the interview process. And don't turn away or turn down an interview just because you think, well, no, I don't think I'm going to be interested in that. Well, you know what? After you speak with that person and learn a little bit more about that industry, or that job, it may seem very interesting, you know, so everything is a learning process and you have to approach it that way. Tell me what you think the common misconceptions about transitioning. What are some of the pitfalls they can, what are the minefields they need to avoid? Sure. Well, I mentioned one of them before, and that is, you know, buying a home before you actually find a job. That's the problem. And also some people think that, well, if I really narrow down the field that I want to be in, then that'll make it easier. Well, actually, that makes it harder because you've really truncated the available university uh, universe rather of jobs that are available within that. And plus, you might be wrong, right? So you got to be careful what you ask for because you just might get it, and then you find out that that's not exactly what you want. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Another thing too, well, and this goes back to, to translating your experience, but in most cases, the actual skills that you practiced in the military are not going to translate directly, but it's going to be those intangible skills. So be open-minded in terms of how you can apply those skills. What resources are available out there to those considering retirement? Well, quite frankly, there's never been a better market out there that any of us have seen. There's nothing quite like it. You know, low unemployment and even lower veteran unemployment. So, you know, 3.5% for the general population, and it's in the twos for military veterans, which is fantastic. So many resources are available now, like LinkedIn is a tremendous resource. Everybody needs to be on that. I know it just sounds funny to even think that someone wouldn't be on it, but if you're transitioning out of the military and you haven't been in the private sector, why would you be on LinkedIn? Well, 
you need to get there and because that that's going to be the primary motive for networking these days the technology that job boards use these days also allow you to be found very quickly as well again if you're you put up a, a resume that is representative of the, the type of skills uh, that you have and the type of job you want to go after uh, but job boards also it, it's been a, a trend over the last several years that there are fewer resumes being posted, but more job seekers are going to job boards. So you have to learn how to navigate those like Indeed, and we've right. covered a lot of different job boards because it's, a, it's an aggregator or even career builder or monster, but create a profile there and, and be looking there. You can create job alerts that push the types of jobs that you're interested in towards you. And then uh, for some individuals, and probably less so for the senior uh, military officers, but for the senior NCOs and the junior officers, there's a program called the Skill Bridge, which DOD has. Yes, I'm sure you're familiar with that. That's yes, we becoming are. quite popular as well, where individuals can do internships for anywhere from as many, as many as six months, but normally it's only three months before they leave the service and actually get into a civilian workplace and experience it. We've actually recently hired somebody through that program to work for Lucas Group as well. We had him for three months at, uh, in the summertime, and then he actually had to go back and, and out process, mm-hmm. and then came back to us and just started, and he's doing just great. So it's a, a, a great way to do it. Then, of course, there are headhunters like you and I, Fred, that find people for jobs. And, and then one of the misconceptions, going back to that briefly, that some individuals have coming out of the military is that, well, wait a minute, why is a headhunter doing this for free? They don't understand the concept of <laughs> that. You know, why would a company pay a headhunter so much money to find me? Well, because you are in short supply. You are valuable to those. And by the way, uh, that company, you, you may not find that company on your own because you don't know what they're looking for. And you may not be able to get yourself an introduction to the right person that, you know, you, Fred, or me, Brian, can get you because we know these people. We make it our business to know these people. So don't be afraid of headhunters. Now, that doesn't mean you should, you know, engage five or six different headhunters. Perhaps pick a couple of them that you trust and you know, get well, get to know them, and then then trust them to to help you manage your career. And these are people that can help you not only now, but also later in your career as well. Especially a company like Lucas Group, which does not just military recruiting, but also executive search, and like your firm does too. So these are people that can help you throughout. Not only find another job later on and make a transition, but also find people, because of course, especially in a leadership role, we are oftentimes. Our performance as leaders is dictated by the performance of the great people that we find. I want to put in a caveat here for the other side of the coin. I don't want to be too Pollyanna about this. I'm going to put on my recruiter hat, and I hope you'll join me. Look, one of the reasons they pay us as companies is because they their internal recruiters are either not experienced enough or don't have the depth of knowledge that we have on the outside. They don't have the resources, frankly, that we have on the outside uh, to find these databases of recruiters or actually go out and do the old-timey way, go find somebody who's employed and do that very in-depth, deep dive. And that's called fuzzy, left-handed purple squirrel. The company says, we want a purple squirrel. And a week later, they say to you and me, oh, by the way, they have to be fuzzy. And then two weeks later, they, <laughs> me, you know, they also ought to be left-handed. You know that. We've been through right. it for 25-plus years, both of us. 
And so they pay us to find the fuzzy left-handed purple squirrel. So in your resume, bringing it back to the point you were, Brian, uh, in terms of getting on the job boards, your resume better be right. And it better have ATS scannable position. And it better have the keywords in it. And I don't mean military keywords. I'm talking about translatable, understandable keywords that a 25-year-old green pea new recruit for XYZ company gets this ATS scan report and says, okay, this person doesn't have it because they don't have these words in here. When in fact, you may be very qualified for it. So you really have to prepare for this. It's not just winging it. It's not a wing it anymore. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, in, in terms of translating your experience, I always tell people to demilitarize, but don't unmilitarize it. I'm not even sure that's a word, but I've seen resumes <laughs> where I look at it. I can't even tell if the person was actually in the military, let alone what service they were in, because they have turned everything into civilianese. That's the, the other ridiculous, you know, absurd thing that, that people do. But demilitarize, in other words, you know, lose the alphanumeric weapon system designators and, and the <laughs> jargon, perhaps, but you know, yes. talk about how many people you led and, and what type of uh, yes. outfit it was with, and you know, that those things do translate in a sense because then the the individual reading the resume can see, okay, well, this, this is a leader who led in a maintenance environment or uh, or in an operational environment, et cetera. So, and again, as I said earlier, the intangibles are the things that are really going to translate. The, the tangibles don't especially when you're talking about leadership roles where it's not just a skill set match for sure. That That's where right. headhunters like us come in as well, where we know, hey, I know John and Bill and Bill should know John, you know, kind of thing where... You right, know, it's the ABC are, triangle, right. If you go in knowing somebody, that's great. It's always better to have an inside straight. But the idea is there are others who are competing against you. And you better be prepared for that interview. And it's not just about, okay, I was a colonel or I was a chief master sergeant or I was a whatever it is. The idea is that they have to feel that your value will exceed your cost basis. Because if they pay you X dollars, they're not going to look for Y value. They're going to look for X plus Y plus plus value, multiples of your cost basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's really what it comes down to is not underselling yourself, but not overselling yourself too. And I've, right. I've seen both extremes where, you know, somebody oversells themselves and, and gets into a job that they are unfortunately underqualified for. And that, that can be career ending at that company as well, because you've gotten to a level where you're, you're incompetent. And there are people out there in the private sector who kind of you know, look sideways at people that come into, especially leadership roles from outside of an industry. And I'm not correct. saying they want you to fail, but they're not necessarily unhappy when you do. Uh, That's because correct. They, they can then, you know, look at their higher ups and go, "See, I told you, you know, we should only hire people with industry experience." Well, the thing is that smart companies will hire people intentionally outside of their industry so that they can get diversity of thought, you know, diversity of problem solving, different ways of thinking about problems. Yes. Than yes. the tunnel vision that we all get in if you're stuck in the same industry for a while. In the, today's workforce, you must be outside the box in your thinking. Must be. Because I did a, I did an interview recently with Martin Yate, who is one of my mentors and author of, I don't know, his books are in 89 different versions or something. But Martin was saying that in the next 15 to 25 years, there'll be 40% of the workforce will be automated. That's a lot of people that are going to be out of work. Yeah. And so if you're not outside the box thinker, if you're not flexible, willing to readjust, 
overcome, adapt, <laughs> you know, all of those things, yeah. you're in trouble. And so when Absolutely. you're thinking about getting out of the military, you better think outside the box. Well, Brian, we've spent a, a wonderful time here together. I'm so glad you joined me. We've been talking to Brian Zawakowski, who is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy, but more than that, he's 25 years, an experienced recruiter, and is the vice president and general manager of the military division for the Lucas Group. Brian, I thank you so much for joining us today on the U.S. at Work. Uh, thank you very much, Fred. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.